Good evening, good morning. My name is Thomas Steininger. I welcome you to Re-Evolve, our international webcast for consciousness and culture. I'm very happy to have here uh, on the show jo Joran Opalt. Joran, uh, you are here uh, uh, live. We can hear you. Yes, I'm here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming. You're joining us from Florida, USA. If, yes, it's beautiful here. <laughs> if I may just introduce you, uh, Joan Slane Opalt is an international speaker, author, musician, and an interfaith minister. You just came out with a book, which is called Integral Church, a handbook for new spiritual communities. You're also founder of the Meta Center of St. Petersburg in Florida and the Integral Church, an interfaith Interspiritual Organization in Tampa Bay, Florida, USA. Join. Yes. I wanted to ask you uh, about the future of religion because you are um, from the younger generation. Uh, you are something in the integral community that I find quite some unusual uh, appearance because you founded a church. You founded an integral church. And uh, you were uh, already before an interfaith faith minister. And we just came out in Germany with our magazine, the Wolf magazine, with a, a new issue talk, uh, called The Future of Religion. And I would like to ask you, do we really in our modern, postmodern times still need something like religion? Because... Uh, there's a whole generation which basically says, uh, I'm spiritual but not religious. And there's something that makes sense to me that uh, spirituality being related being, uh, to the deeper meaning of life, being related to spirit, God, uh, the absolute, however you want to call it, is one thing. But religion also means, let's call it a lot of baggage of history and baggage of pre-modern uh, dogmatic faith. So is religion something that we should relate to in our postmodern times, or is it something that maybe is more a historical term that is more part of the past and part of our future? What's your take on that? Okay. I think, I think that uh, if we could just reframe the question probably for the listeners, uh, and that would be instead of, you know, do we still need religion? I think the question for them would be, do I still need religion? I think that, you know, taking the spiral into account, I think that we, as we move through life, we need it at different times. I think just like we need all our different relationships uh, tend to deepen and separate um, from us at different times in our life. I think that we come to spiritual community or religious life and we back away from our practice or our religious life uh, at certain times in our life. So depending on where you are, uh, not only developmentally, but kind of where you are on that, that life cycle or seasonal cycle, if you will, um, it's going to be different for everybody. And do Do we, if the question is, do we as a society, as a world, as a people, do we need those structures, somebody to maintain and 
clean up and shepherd those structures and keep them standing so that when people are ready to enter into them, that they can, uh, that they're, that they remain available to them, then yes, I absolutely believe that. I think that, that just like we should still have, um, record stores and bookstores and small businesses, especially here in the U S that are kind of being, um, eradicated by the digitization and decentralization of the access economy, I think that we still need freestanding churches for people to walk into when they need that direct experience. Maybe to ask, to ask you very directly and personally, what does religion mean to you? To me, religion means, I mean, it means very little more than people gathering together. So to me, religion means a circle. To me, religion means a small group. To me, religion means, it could be a big group, or if we're talking about big church, you know, big kind of more performative experience. Um, but to me, religion is a potluck. You know, to me, mm -hmm. religion is people gathering around a table and sharing a meal and, you know, sharing spiritual tools with one another and connecting with each other uh, across a table, sometimes through interfaith dialogue, even to get to know one, one another better. That's religion is to me. I mean, and I think I said it in the book, it's becoming more human and less alone, right? That's the goal is to have these tools in our pocket, you know, in our tool belt, um, you know, if we're talking like shamanistically or something in our pouch, Mm -hmm. uh, that we can use in our day-to-day -day life and then also uh, as a way to connect with people and as a common language to share, as a way to share an experience and then talk about and translate and map that experience together as a group. Um, you know, that's what, that's what religion means to me. What I really find interesting in your response is that you started uh, – Religion means to you people gathering together. Because in our um, work on this magazine, The Future of Religion, and we were talking about, so what does religion mean? And what does it mean in relationship to spirituality? One of the main distinctions that we came about was religion, uh, spirituality is something that you can have alone. Religion, uh, it's very difficult, it's even possible to have on your own. Religion somehow is in itself related to community. So I really love it very much that you, you started with people gathering together. Yeah. And maybe that's also something where um, the spiritual impulse of our times, which is such a highly individuated impulse, I and my connection to spirit, uh, need something where... This connection to spirit, and there's nothing wrong about that. Every one of us needs uh, this connection, and however you want to call it. And uh, it's also good to have tools for that. But it seems that you're pointing to something that this is something that I can't have on my own. I need other people for that. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's accurate. I think that not only the word religion means to bind together or to connect, uh, you know, to reconnect. Um, I also think that words like church um, 
you know, it helps to kind of reimagine those words as well and go back to their original um, meaning, you know, it can be a circle, it could be a house. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, you know, for us, an element of what we do is rewilding. You know, we're taking church outside. Um, we're doing our circles out in the parks and out in the cities and, um, you know, connecting with nature in a way that, you know, I think, again, is a way to reconnect or reestablish a relationship with the divine um, that, you know, regardless of the beauty of the marble arches and the stained glass is just sometimes hard to do indoors. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something different uh, about when you get out in nature, it's just qualitatively a different encounter. So um, we try to have both, you know, yeah. both uh, inside circles where, where we can enjoy, you know, the acoustics of our voices being contained and bouncing off walls. And it's a little more intimate, but also the, the vastness and the awe that comes with being out side and connecting with one another and nature in that way. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I mean, this m- might be slightly different in Europe than the U.S., but when I hear about someone uh, founding a church, I get a little weary. And uh, the first thing that comes up to my mind is some fu- fundamentalist uh, uh, f- form of church. What you are doing seems to be different and your understanding of church seems to be different. And as an integral informed uh, young man, um, there must be a reason uh, and there must be something in your own story that pulls you to not uh, be something like uh, a spiritual trainer, a spiritual teacher, creating something like a spiritual community, but uh, being really interested first in Christianity as a religion, uh, and second also in terms like church and even uh, creating a church. Um, first, do you understand my kind of maybe European response to that, that uh, church uh, um, sounds a little outdated uh, at, at this time and uh, from a European perspective? And at the same time, uh, there must be something for you that uh, you find very attractive and very intriguing to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Both of those. Uh, yeah. Uh, the first one is that I, I totally understand that, um, you know, there's a difference between the, the religious climate in Europe and the religious, uh, not only climate, but kind of, uh, unique, uniquely religious and spiritual history that's, that we have in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I found that out firsthand when I went to the first, uh, my first, IEC Integral European Conference in, I think that was 2015. Um, and when, when I presented in front of a Europe, majority European audience about interfaith dialogue and the interfaith movement, and it kind of fell on, I don't want to say deaf ears, but confused ears. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it took me a while to unpack what happened uh, at, at, during that talk. And since then, you know, in talking to people, people, even people who were in the room that year, um, come to learn that in Europe, um, you really have kind of majority, uh, religious countries, you know, for instance, Germany is, you know, what, 90% Christian, you know, Czech, 90% 
atheist, agnostic. You know, you have these kind of major centers of gravity religiously, not just spiritually, but religiously, the structure around it. And when you talk about something like interfaith uh, in Europe, um, I think it just it just didn't it just didn't resonate with people. Um, mm-hmm. There wasn't the interfaith movement in Europe uh, at the time, anyway, uh, that there was in the U.S. And I think that we in the U.S. Uh, were kind of forced into the dialogue because we do have such this you know these borders melting together and the kind of the demise of the institutional church in some in some regards. And so I think that we've been in this interfaith dialogue and movement for a while. And it was kind of a harsh reality coming to Europe and, and realizing that this talk I've given, you know, 50 times, you know, just wasn't even relevant uh, to the people who were in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I definitely understand the difference um, just religiously as far as the institutions go and as far as, you know, um, religious, I guess, I guess I should say religious identity, right? People identifying as um, a certain denomination. Uh, and at the same time, uh, America, like I said, has this kind of uniquely spiritual history where, you know, moving from the... Um, original theists and deists and mystics and transcendentalists and Vedanta and Quaker. And, you know, we, we have this a new thought and metaphysical Christianity. We have this really unique um, lineage of people doing religion and doing spirituality outside of the mainline institutions. Um, so we ha- I have a lot of reference material, you know, to lean on as far as, well, this, this group did it this way. Um, here's something we can keep. Here's something we can throw out. Uh, here's something we can improve on, you know, and kind of the innovation cycle, um, of religion, uh, is really set up for us in the U.S. And I don't think people take advantage of it. People are stuck in those bubbles of religious institutions and they don't use those innovation tools to revitalize and breathe life into their communities. Um, you know, m- most of them, now, there are, there's some um, churches out there and religious communities doing amazing work and they deserve credit for that. But, you know, the statistics, you know, that we read about of the crumbling churches and the empty sanctuaries and all this wasted space, um, you know, there are things that they can be doing um, ideologically, you know, uh, changing, just changing their mind. It's that changing their heart and mind about uh, maybe the people they've excluded or, or the way they've approached their, their, their ministries in the past, but they can be more um, big tent, you know, they can be, they can fit a lot more people in than they have. So mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm a proponent of the religions changing and evolving. They're already internally diverse. They're already changing and evolving, whether they want to admit it or not. And I'm also a proponent of people building new religious and spiritual movements outside the churches. That's why I did what I did, finally. How did you get there? Uh, what what moved you to, f- to to create your own integral church? Uh, that's an, uh, this is an unusual step to create a church. So uh, what made, yeah, made you do this? <laughs> I just got tired of, I got tired of the seeking and the waiting and the, 
you know, I, I, I was raised uh, in the Christian church. I was raised in a small uh, UCC, Congregationalist Church in Medford, Wisconsin. And I have very fond memories of that church. I, remember, I still remember the smell of the basement and the kitchen and the bookshelves and the, and the sanctuary. And, I mean, it's a, it was just a very formative uh, place. Uh, even though I was too young, I think, to understand uh, at the time what was happening and what was being taught. Uh, I mean, I remember learning about the Bible stories and Daniel in the lion's den and what you, you know, how you do as a child. But there was no way of really connecting with the lesson, um, the spiritual lesson, maybe the moral lesson at that stage, but definitely not the spiritual lesson. At that stage, and when I hit adolescence, I left the church. I had arguments with my grandmother about Jesus and God and the Bible and all of the conflicting evidence in the Bible of, you know, about morality and the different accounts of the Gospels and the different, you know, contradictory passages and the justification that people were using to, you know, use the Bible as a tool for for abuse or oppression and you know it just it didn't feel right for me to I, I didn't identify as a christian anymore that's for sure you know i was into quantum physics and quantum mechanics and systems theory and you know uh, the music of the spheres and all of that i was into my orange phase you know i i'd moved out of it so um i eventually explored buddhism and taoism and Really, really connected with that for many years, uh, with the Eastern side of the coin, if you will. And then mm -hmm. eventually, uh, you know, and identified as agnostic for, for better part of a decade until I, um, moved to Florida and met my wife who took me to a unity church, I think mm -hmm. for a Christmas Eve ceremony or a, a service or a, Father's Day or something. I forget what the special occasion was, but when I found the Unity Church, I thought, well, this is interesting because here's a really progressive and inclusive church movement that I could kind of feel at home in. And I think we were settling down and starting a family. And so there's this kind of parallel impulse uh, for community and for putting down roots and for growing something. And uh I explored Unitarian Universalism, and that was rooted in justice, yet it lacked the intimacy that I was seeking. And I, so I entered into Unity, the Unity community. I went into leadership there. I uh, served as a chaplain for many years. I was on the or path to ordination uh, to be a Unity minister. Um, and Unity was a great, um, it's a great metaphysical and new thought community. Um, but it just was not interfaith or pluralistic enough uh, for what I was seeking. And so since nothing fit the bill um, and I got tired of waiting for, you know, integral naked or integral life or any of the mainline integral you know, institutions to, to spawn off some kind of spiritual arm, you know, that I could attach myself to and identify as, um, you know, waiting 10 years for that to happen and it never happening. I thought, mm -hmm. well, I, this person in the mirror must be the person to do it. So I left unity and I started integral church. We wrote up our bylaws, pulled together a board of directors, figured out what the, you know, what this experience would be. We wanted it to be designed universally, but experienced pluralistically so that anybody could step into these circles 
on any given day. And through some loose kind of, you know, just design criteria of what we wanted that to look like, uh, started experimenting, like I said, outdoors in the park. And mm-hmm. that was six years ago. And now, in addition to the circles we have here in St. Petersburg, Florida, um, there are circles happening in Jersey City, in New Jersey, um, by Christopher, led by Christopher Patelli. He uh, was inspired by the book. When it came out, there's circles happening in Kekskemet, Hungary. Um, there's a circle launching in uh, Berlin this year uh, with Christian Schmill. And there are a new circle this year launching in uh, Budapest. So when we're talking about an integral church, um, well, what what should we imagine? Is this um, uh, just an, an, a, a group of integral people being inspired by integral theory and inter- integral spirituality and just coming together? Is this uh, a particular form of... Um, religion that has its own foundation. Um, integral church uh, sounds like, um, is, this, is this a Christian religion? Is this a universal religion? What does it make a church? Hmm. Yeah, the way, it's funny, the way, what I call integral church uh, yeah. for me is an interfaith uh, experience. So there are going to be Christians in our circle here in Florida. Uh, this is going to be different uh, no matter uh, where you go. Um, but we here at our circle have Catholics and Christians and Unity people and Baha'is and Sufis and Buddhists and Taoists and agnostics, atheists, you know, people who just don't really know what they believe or don't identify as anything in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, those spiritual but not religious or the religious nuns, right? N-O-N-E-S, the, the nuns where they, they don't, they aren't able to check a box. They just don't identify. Uh, they don't have a religious affiliation. Um, so any number of those people. Uh, will be in our circle. So to say, is it Christian? No. Um, partially, uh, you know, for the people who are Christian and in the circle, uh, I would hope that they, uh, when we have our experience together, when we come together and we experience these moments through meditation and through reading and through music and through movement, I would hope that what they are experiencing is a direct connection to Christ consciousness and identifying with the Christ in themselves. Um, but I think for the Buddhists in the circle, I hope that what they ex- are experiencing is Buddha nature. Um, you know, and for the others, I hope that what they're experiencing is div- a sense of divinity or a sense of oneness. Um, so is it a Christian movement? No, uh, comma, unless you're a Christian. When I, um, does that make sense? To I, you? I, yes and no. <laughs> I, I, I tell you the yes and I tell you the no. Go for uh, it. Uh, I understand uh, all these people with these different backgrounds coming together and experiencing uh, the mystery, the unity, and uh, that this is a powerful experience. When I, um, uh, think about coming together in the church, there is a kind of shared language that you're holding. There's a, a shared mythology that you're, that you're holding. And there, there's a, there's a kind of, uh, an imagery 
that is very different if you are a Taoist, uh, a Buddhist, mm-hmm. a Catholic, or a Lutheran uh, Christian. And uh, I can understand an integral thinking about all of this, where you, you hold this, all has its place in its quadrants and its lines and its levels. But in my heart relationship to it, I need stories. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I need a place where we come together. And when we talk about Wilbur's integral theory, it's beautiful, but it's an, it's, it's an intellectual, uh, theoretical concept or something. Right. It's not necessarily a heart relationship. When I, when I hear you come together in a church, I don't see this as an intellectual exercise. I have nothing against intellectual exercise. I have nothing against integral theory. It's a powerful tool, but it's a tool primary for understanding reality. It's not, not so much a tool to move my heart. Right. So I agree. When I hear you coming together as a church, I see you uh, coming together with other people, being out there in nature, being uh, uh, whatever kind of tools and technologies or rituals you're uh, doing, coming together and joining your heart in this. Mm-hmm. But to do this in holding all this span of all this span of a Taoist kind of a cosmology and Catholic cosmology and uh, modern science, uh, quantum physics, and uh, being together in something that's really moving uh, the circle of, of of humans who are gathering right now, you have you have to help me a little bit. How this is something that really comes together in a heart moving circle? Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so the nuts and bolts of it are, um, you know, the framework we use, uh, maybe like even you say intellectually or, um, you know, I would say even as far as our mission uh, statement goes, uh, the framework that we use is rooted in integral spirituality. And some people might even call that evolutionary spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, and we include uh, voices uh, like Wilbur, but also uh, voices uh, like Aurobindo and Deschardins and mm-hmm. Gebser and uh, Kripal and William Irwin Thompson. In fact, we're in February now, so our theme is February Fundamentals. And we're doing readings from all seven of those that I just listed mm-hmm. as a series in Fundamentals of Integral Spirituality. Um, so as a framework, what we're running is integral spirituality. But as a program in computing, you know, as an operating system, we have integral theory as a foundation uh, and spiral dynamics and, you know, our reason for what we do. The program that we run, uh, because you can, like you said, scour integral theory for some kind of practice and you'd be hard pressed to find something to actually do in the world, uh, short of the integral life practice, which I got to give Terry uh, and Ken and Marco and everybody involved in that project uh, credit that that was great. Um, but that was an individual practice, uh, mm-hmm. not a community practice. So the program that we're running on top of the operating system, for the most part, relies on uh, Matthew Fox's creation spirituality. Uh, mm-hmm. And that has been transformative for us because it's rooted in the four paths um, of Meister Eckhart 
Um, and everything that we design programmatically is rooted in the, the via positiva, the via negativa, the via creativa, and the via transformativa. Mm-hmm. So our circles are designed that way. We do a quarterly um, celebration of music and movement for the solstice and the equinox called the cosmic dance. That's designed that way where there's a grieving ritual as a group. And then we move into drumming and dance together. Um, There is an actual program that we can run that helps us with what we're doing and what we're embodying. And like you mentioned, the stories that we're telling to one another. And then not only that, but a way to, kind of interpret that and reflect that back to one another as we're experiencing it. So as an example, um, you know, one of the things we did last year was, I think it was around the, um, the time of uh, Ramayana. Uh, we were looking for some Hindu stories to tell. And there was a friend of mine, Kirsten, who had offered to, you know, step in that month as a storyteller and she chose to talk about uh, the goddess Sita. And uh, it was really interesting uh, what came out of that talk and that conversation. Because in the Hindu kind of pantheon, we have this spectrum from Sita, who is the prim, seated, proper uh, image, uh, pure image of a woman that we think of, um, all the way to... Kali, you know, who is just rage, is filled, turned black with rage and she's just, she's emerged from the, the forehead of Durga because she's got to come out and, you know, just destroy. She's just pure channeled rage who just will rip your fucking head off and wear it as a necklace. And it's like this spectrum of the feminine in one religion, um, just directly reflected uh, not only the spectrum of the divine feminine and every woman in that circle, but also really shine a light on the elements of femininity that we keep in shadow or that we decide to express. I mean, even as men, right? Um, so it was a really, really great discussion around the divine feminine um, that sprang from the story of Sita from the Ramayana. So, I mean, storytelling, which is something uh, that's near and dear to my heart, um, is, is, like you said, it's where we find each other, right? It's where we find ourselves. It's where we can connect with one another. So storytelling, uh, I think, is central uh, to, the, to the integral church experience. Um, we can open up a book and read from it, and we do that on occasion. But the real transformative work happens when in when you are telling or listening to stories. Mm-hmm. There's something about religious stories are are all bi- really big mythologies. Uh, what makes them so powerful is that those are the big stories of our life. Yeah. Uh, part of the challenge of an integral spirituality is. Uh, you can uh, relate to all these traditional different storylines that we have, but how do you weave this to this one big story that we hold together in a pluralistic, integral, uh, global society? So right. you have to honor the, uh, the, the multiplicity 
of our religious experience. But at the same time, uh, to create a unifying experience, you have to find the unity beyond the multiplicity at the same time. And I've, uh, to do this on an intellectual level uh, seems to be easier. You just you, 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 you tell all the stories, but there's something where what we do may it be in the storytelling, maybe in the ritual, may it be in our devotional practice has to come together in oneness, holding the multiplicity that you are describing. And do you find this a challenging uh, endeavor in something like an integral church to hold this multiplicity that we have to, to honor also kind of the diversity of the world and all the different perspectives and at the same time to realize that at the foundation of any spiritual experience is the experience and the, uh, also the honoring of the uh, unity of existence. Uh, I don't think it's as difficult in the integral church circles um, as it might sound. You know, I describe these circles to people and they say, how can you have so many people that believe so many different things come together and have meaningful or civil dialogue, you know? Um, And I have to say the circles are... Um, designed in a way that we are following ground rules, uh, where we are speaking for ourselves, and, you know, continually checking in with, uh, you know, our own kind of presence thing and where we're showing mm-hmm. up. And uh, it's not that difficult when everybody who's come to the circle to build that structure, you know, that um, yeah, container, if you will, it's a clunky mm-hmm. word, but that circle together, they're there for the same purpose, right? They're, they're, not, they're not there to argue. I think there's only been one time in six years that I had to really check somebody and say, hey, that's, you know, this isn't the time or the place for that, you know. Mm-hmm. They're really there to connect. You know, and it helps to begin with that intentionality that we are there to connect with one another and to figure out how we fit together. Um, and now in the small groups, uh, that we have spun off of these, you know, whether it's 21st century Bible interpretation or whether it's the resistance Bible study or what we're doing right now, which is the challenge of Paul, which is led by John Dominic Crossan. Um, those small group studies. Yeah, we get into politics and that as a facilitator, that is more difficult, uh, to kind of keep people's not only developmental perspectives, but also, um, ideological perspectives in check. Um, but it's a dance, you know, and it's fun. And there's still, mm-hmm. even in those environments, this, the people are still there to connect. I mean, they're coming from, you know, they might belong to a Catholic community, but then they're coming to the integral church small groups because they don't get to talk like this at church. You know, they don't mm-hmm. get to have these rich intellectual discussions about, um, you know, about ethics and scripture and politics. They don't get to do that where they, where they are. So they have to come to integral church for that. Um, so they appreciate it. They come to it with a sense of gratitude. Like, oh, I can't believe you guys are doing this. This is amazing. I wish we could do this every week, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, it just helps with, um, it helps to have a sense of purpose and intention when you 
and know what you're in each circle for. Each circle has a different purpose. If you want intellectual discussion, we've got the small groups. If you want spiritual experience, we've got the, um, you know, the interfaith, the inter- interspiritual circles. Um, and then of course we do other intensive as, as well, you know, meditation, uh, workshops and things like that. So mm-hmm. there's lots of them to step in and potlucks. You know, we do the gratitude potluck once a year on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do regular potlucks over the course of the year. We do the, um, ecstatic dance event that I described earlier. So there's lots of stuff for them to do depending on what kind of experience they're seeking. Mm-hmm. I hear you also that, uh, a big foundation of what uh, what you seem to do here, and basically that's how how you started uh, by people gathering together. That w- what you're doing is a community building around the different manifestation of spirit, and holding this in an evolutionary context, holding this also in an integral understanding. So uh, it needs some uh, capacity to hold uh, a kind of a deeper understanding of of the evolution of consciousness of the evolution of culture uh, and that needs also some uh, uh, intellectual capacity to hold all of this uh, but it is uh, at the same time uh, what I hear is the longing to come together in spirit and hold this in a way that is uh, uh, meaningful in our postmodern time and yeah. Why I really uh, appreciate uh, what you're trying to do there, uh, be- because the inter- uh, to, ha- to have an integral understanding of life, to have even a postmodern pluralistic understanding of life, uh, uh, ne- needs a kind of a worldview where it's very easy to become very relativistic. To, to just see all the difference, uh, this is right and that is right and this is right. And everything is somehow true. <laughs> somehow let's hold it together. But to unite this in a life experience and even more so in a life practice, in a shared life practice, seems to be something that our culture is missing. And uh, many of the fundamental responses to our life is also just to go back to kind of a more regressive understanding of reality, but... Uh, uh, in this regression, there's also beauty because many of these fundamentalist churches have a, have a very powerful uh, experience of community. And there's something very much alive between them uh, that uh, I really want to honor also. But at the same time, it's a small worldview. But how to hold this bigger worldview and at the same time create a community that is really, that is able to create a heart connection and a, a connection to a, a living spirit between us uh, seems to be something that is worth an experiment. And it looks very much that what you're trying is an experiment in doing this. Yeah. And I think that um, that's where the creation spirituality can really help is that as a teaching, um, this brand of let's call it eco spirituality mm-hmm. um, is something that is uniquely Christian in that it was inspired by uh, Meister Eckhart and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, these kind of four distinct paths of, of awe and wonder and then and mystery and letting go and then creativity and then uh, justice and sacred work. And I mean, these four, these four paths are, um, 
they might be Christian in origin, you know, and they might, there might be four of them. So they form a cross or whatever, but, um, they're also very in line with, um, with the Dharma, uh, or with the, um, indigenous traditions, um, and the sense of sacred earth and, um, justice for, for all peoples, right? For all beings. So there's something to be said for using a, a spiritual framework, uh, that is already basing it on an intellectual framework that is already all inclusive. And then base, then putting on top of that the layer of a spiritual framework that is all encompassing. Mm -hmm. I think that was the, the final key that for us really clicked everything into place. Um, because Matthew Fox's work is one that, you know, very similar to integral theory, uh, encourages you and allows you, gives you the tools and resources to rethink things like work and education and religion and spirituality and masculinity and femininity. So, uh, that's been a really great, uh, help for us to join up with uh, the other creation spirituality communities in the world who are doing similar work with the four vias and um, doing things similar to what we did. I, I thought we were unique in the world. And then I started, you know, with integral church. And then I started going to the parliament of the world's religions and mm-hmm. uh, all these other conferences and traveling the world and speaking about what we're doing and come to find out, well, Jewish renewal has been doing this under the guide and guidance of, of, of uh, Rabbi Z- of Zalman Shek Shalomi for years uh, in years before we were doing it. And, mm-hmm. uh, the, the wild church network has been, you know, over the past five years working on establishing this rewilding, uh, community of churches that are going outdoors to do their circles. So, I mean, there's, we're not alone in the world. There's, there's other people doing this. And, and even just, um, ideologically, there are people like, um, Angie Thurston and Casper Turkiel at Harvard Divinity School who've been doing the studies for how we gather. Uh, that are identifying it's not just religious and spiritual communities who are exhibiting this kind of behavior, that behavior being this longing, this need to connect through community and stories. I mean, there's people, there's people like the Laundry Love Project and the pop-up potlucks and the sanctuaries in D.C. that connect through poetry and storytelling. There are people who are not religious communities, but they're building community and they're spiritual in nature. So, I mean... I mean, it might not be spiritual in nature as far as they don't outline that and outline that in their mission statement, but they're doing spiritual work, whether they know it or not. So we're not alone in the world and it's just, it's beginning to blossom and flower. And you see these, these communities now popping up all over and it's just, it feels so good. I mean, it's just, it's like witnessing evolution in slow motion. That does lead me to my last question. And uh, uh, it is a big question. Uh, but I want to ask it anyway, uh, with your experience and with what you're just describing right now, with this whole movement going on, where do you see the future of religion? I mean, I don't think the big churches are ever going to go away. I, I think that, but I think what we're going to experience is religious monopoly. I think that the bigger, the bigger churches are going to get bigger, right? Um, and just like the big companies and CEOs are going to swallow up, um, you know, some of the smaller congregations that's already happening. And, uh, I think the proliferation of these smaller groups 
uh, is going to be a place for people to go where you can do exactly like we've described. You can have a, a more direct connection uh, to source or to God or to your higher power. I think that, um, and I think that it's, I think all with all things being cyclical, I think that, um, all I can think of right now in this moment in response to your question is that original kind of social movement uh, that was uh, begun by Jesus on earth as described by John Dominic Crossan. And it was this really distinctly social revolution where he was going around and preaching programmatic homelessness and you know, leave this piece of property that you think you own, but you don't really own, put down the plow and follow me. Um, shared eating, uh, which was, was not happening at the time. And this was this kind of revolutionary idea that you were, you were sharing food and preparing and sharing a meal with people other than, uh, yourself, um, and connecting with them in, in, in that way. Um, connecting with, uh, the divine with God, with source, uh, without the intermediary or the chaperone of a priest, you know, something he preached was that it's in you already. The kingdom of God is uh, here. The kingdom of heaven is on the ground at men's feet and men don't see it. Uh, and then that final piece of connecting to one another, um, loving each other, our brothers and sisters without discrimination. So this kind of four pronged, Programmatic homelessness, shared eating, uh, connection to source without mediation, and connecting to one another without discrimination. This kind of four-legged social platform, um, it was called like, you know, let's call it the kingdom of God movement, right? Um, mm. I think something like that, as we see with these now postmodern social movements um, popping up, I think that's what's going to happen is that the the spiritual and the religious are going to rebel against religion and we're going to demand what we want from it. And if we don't get it, we're going to create it ourselves. And that it's, it's already happening. Join. We are at the end of our time here. Uh, thank you so much for uh, sharing all this with, with us. If people want to connect further with your work, uh, where should they go online? Well, I would say I would go to integralchurch.org, uh, because that's the church website. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then I'll show you where our circles are happening and, you know, there's stuff to, there's stuff to read and kind of look through there. Um, and if they want to learn about me and the other books I've written and other things that I'm working on, they can go to Joran Slain, uh, J-O-R-A-N-S-L-A-N-E dot com. Thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening uh, to Radio Wolf. Uh, if you want to join in, uh, in two weeks we have our next English-speaking program. Next week will be our German program. Thank you very much for joining. Good night here from Frankfurt. <laughs>